This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Well, today we're going to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart as a resident of Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something called design thinking. And I have engaged and interacted around the periphery of this for a long time. But um, until I moved here, and the whole world out here really revolves around this idea, I didn't catch how powerful it is. And really, I think it is, in, in, in many ways, it's the way a lot of youth workers, um, pieces of this, or the way a lot of youth workers sort of innately function. Um, and uh, and it's a way I think once you understand the method, it's it gives just enough structure to you to really help you um, to really help you with with uh, thinking things through, iterating, changing, starting new programs, um, and um, especially uh, you know tweaking things right. Um, and uh, and I would say the other if there's a so there's design thinking and then there's sort of a sub sub category sub method of it called um, the lean startup. Uh, lean so you can buy yes. you can buy the lean startup book, and lean startup is all about doing crazy awesome things with basically starting with no money or little money, right? Um, and it's a, it's the it's the method uh, that utilizes design thinking that a huge number of Silicon Valley startups, and now within companies, they will have like a little startup division, mm-hmm. right? So uh, Adobe will have a little team that is operating like a startup within Adobe. They use the lean startup method. They don't use a lot of money to get started. They just they just get started little and little by little. Um, and so I think that like that's uh, those things are, are what we're going to talk about a little bit today and um, are super helpful for youth ministry because I think a lot of times youth pastors have great ideas and um, and either they don't know how to get them off the ground. They're not sure if they're going to work and they might need a lot more money than they thought, right? And so, um, thinking using the design thinking process can get you to a yes from your church committee supervisors, those kind of people, in a way uh, that just saying, "Hey, I'd like to do this. I'd like to make a youth app," right? Sure. Um, yeah. So, and, and one of the reasons that we thought it would be good to talk through sort of design thinking uh, at this point is coming out of a lot of the restrictions related to COVID pandemic, you know, lockdowns, not being able to gather that kind of stuff. Um, we are seeing that you know churches and and youth ministries especially are being allowed to try new things. Mm-hmm. Um, and to figure out if those things work and are effective yep. um, or not. And honestly, one of the other pieces of this process as we start to go through it is it does help you figure out uh, fairly quickly, right? right. Um, if your idea was a good idea and if it's making the impact that you wanted. So yeah. um, for the youth leaders and for the church leaders that are listening today, um, my encouragement 
is going to be to, you know, listen to this process, do a little bit of searching on your own. Um, and just remember that the world in which we're doing ministry now is so very different than the world where ministry was happening two or three years ago. And so it is important to try to innovate. Um, and then we're going to use the word, um, not itinerate, right? Because that's a whole nother Methodist thing. Um, iterate. Iterate is the word that I'm looking for. And iterate, yes. Yeah. Iterate, not itinerate. And iterate uh, means to come up with multiple versions um, of your idea to see if one catches on a little bit better than the other, right? Um, yeah. But go ahead, start me at the beginning. If we're going to do design process thinking, uh, where am I going to start? And as a disclaimer, explain it like I'm five. That made me think of the Michael Scott. It's like, okay, now explain yeah. it like I'm three. That's right. Yeah. So <laughs> for you younger listeners, there was this show called The Office that you might only know through memes now. However, right. quality watch. Quality. Yes, please. Explain it like I'm five. And then if it's still too complicated, I'll ask you to explain it like I'm three. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So design thinking starts with empathizing. And I like that because uh, there's... Other, I've heard it call. I've heard people use uh, market research or uh, audience analysis or all kinds of different things, but I think empathizing is the right word uh, because it, it brings in more than just data. Uh, it brings in sort of that emotional feeling. So the idea here is like, <clears throat> let's just say uh, your youth Sunday night program is not working right? We don't start by thinking of solutions, right? We start by listening to people. We start by empathizing with the participants, both adults and youth, uh, parents that are not there and parents that are there. And so we, so it, it starts with things like an interview. So you'll have a youth sit down and you'll say, all right, tell me, Tell me what, tell me about your last, your most recent experience at youth group, right? Mm -hmm. And start from the beginning. You arrived in the parking lot, right? What happened next? And you'll ask them things like, what, what happened next? What happened next? What happened next? And in each little thing, you, you're going to ask them questions to kind of build out, like, how, how was that? Was that fun? Was that boring? Was that whatever? And, and you start to build a story about that. Um, then you will uh, take that same kind of stuff and ask parents. You want to ask the parents that are not there, the parents that are there. You want to talk to kids who have stopped coming mm -hmm. and say, kind of the last time you came right? Have them walk through it and, and ask. And then at some point you want to find out why, why haven't you come in a while? Um, and, uh, and so you're going to do that. And <clears throat> you can also do surveys. Those surveys are, uh, tricky <clears throat> because, um, uh, surveys can, surveys give easy to point at data that is not always accurate. Mm -hmm. So when you're thinking of surveys, um, there's something called a representative sample. And if you've got a huge group, like the population of the United States, you actually only need a couple of thousand people to give a representative sample uh, in, that, uh, in, in that population. But what's interesting is the smaller the population is, the higher the percentage of that population is. 
is required for a representative sample so that you can say these statistics are valid. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you get down to the size of a youth group, it's generally right around 100%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right sure. you've got 30 people and one of them changes their mind that's a significant percentage different if two of them change their mind and so getting enough responses to feel like you've got a representative sample can be can be pretty difficult um but so so surveys are good um but only when you're very careful with how you use that data surveys can help you shape your interviews um, that data can help you do that. But if you try to go in and use a survey to, to decide, oh, we're going to cancel youth group on Sunday nights and do mission trips instead, right? You, you can really end up in a difficult place. Chris, I know that you've done some work with, um, with this area and something called empathy mapping. Uh, yeah, so the it's just a tool I, I wanted to introduce, and I, I did put a link to an image that people might find helpful. So, like mm-hmm. when we're talking interviews and those kind of things, it might be um, I don't know intimidating for a youth worker that has never right. done that kind of stuff, right? Um, but when you're doing an empathy map, um, you're spending a lot of time listening to others, and so if you think about the participants in your ministry, whether those are youth or parents or volunteers or whoever it is, or those youth that don't come anymore, um, all you're doing in empathy mapping is gathering information and gathering data about uh, those participants' thoughts, their needs, their motivations, their feelings, those kinds of things. And the way an empathy map is really set up is it's just like the side profile of someone's face. Um, and you ask them to think about their experiences in your ministry using their different senses, right? So like to use your example, the last time that you were at Sunday Night Youth Group, um, what did it make you think and feel when you were there, right? Um, that's that's this part of the you know side view of the person's head. Um, what did you see? You know, did, did you see people treating each other well? Did you see disconnected stuff? Did you see... Um, a lack of organization or a dirty meeting space or those kinds of things. Um, What did you hear? What did you hear people saying? Um, Did you have a hard time hearing because of like background noise or, you know, bad sound or other things happening in the church that were distracting from youth group time? Um, And then what were people saying and doing? And what did you say and do in response? You know, like, Mm -hmm. did you feel as though um, you could offer up thoughts that you could talk or did that did that not feel welcome um where there are people using body language that made you uncomfortable uh and those kind of things and so really it's it's just a sense-based way um to get the data that you're looking at um to be able to stay away from sort of survey stuff as well if you do empathy mapping the big thing that you have to do is you want to get an empathy map from each individual um, and then you want to compare those and look for patterns right like what are some repeated things that either are very very positive uh, or very very negative uh, for you to either lean into further or address with some big changes yeah and, and i think that's when we talk about empathy in design thinking so i, I should say the design thinking is all about collecting data and responding to that data, right? Around whatever you're trying to, to, right. to work on. Yep. Um, and so it is data driven, um, which is great because you can, um, it's very easy. It's a lot easier to convince somebody to, to do something based on data and experiments than hunches. Right. So, um, uh, so what, 
the, but what's important is that this empathy level, you are not, you're not trying to confirm something that you think, right? right. You are collecting data yep. and it's important that you seek to understand, like you're trying to understand their perspective. You're not making conclusions at that point. Like when you're doing the empathy map, you're not trying to make conclusions. You're just trying to take that empathy, get that data down. And the next piece of that is sort of defining uh, defining what's happening, right? Okay. Defining uh, the, the problem, the pain points, the challenges, right? And when you look at the data that you've collected through your empathy maps or your interviews or, or whatever you've done, you can say, oh, look, you know what? Everybody names that Gerald creeps them out. <laughs> right? Come on, he Gerald. Demanded a hug before they entered the room. Right? Or you you say everybody talked about how the the band just goes on and on and on and on and like they're bored. Or or whatever it is, right? Or you know, most likely it's not everybody, but it's a lot of people. Right. And so right. what you what is really helpful to do is to I find this very helpful, especially when talking with a team, is to take those, um, take the data that you can collect from empathizing and sort of synthesize them and give a couple of personas, come up with a couple of personas, like Jane, uh, middle schooler, right? Um, Pat, high schooler, or uh, Jane, middle schooler, uh, who we don't see anymore. Mm-hmm. Right or or whatever, and so take what you've learned and sort of make an imaginary person out of that. So then, in your conversations, when you begin to go to the next stage, you can say, you know what? What would Jane like? Like mm-hmm. how? What would yep. Jane have would tell us to to do? Mm-hmm. Instead of going to an actual person's data, which can be a little dicey because you feel it's like an individual, right? It's not a big sample, right? Right. Right. And so, you know, you just take the contours and you divide. I, I, I think uh, defining personas is, is always really helpful. So the but importance is at, at that level is you're, you're defining those personas, but you're also saying like, these are the pain points. These are the challenges specifically that we've heard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, what are the other ways that I think about, you know, defining, um, you know, almost like a, almost like a a target, right. If if you were doing archery or something like that, um, there's Mm -hmm. all these places that you could hit, right. Like, as you think about those ideas that are going to go up somewhere, um, but you've only got like a limited number of arrows, right. So you have to be very intentional about what you're aiming at. And, and this defining piece, when, when you can kind of take your data and turn it into a persona and say, okay, what, what would Jane think? Or what would this, you know, sort of fictional average middle schooler that we don't see anymore, what would they think um, about where we should focus and what we should do for this, like very specific one thing or two Mm -hmm. things, because if you try to hit everything at the same time, uh, it's not useful in design thinking process, because then you just get something that is so broad that the youth minister or the youth leader is going to have that experience of feeling like they need to make change, but trying to change too many things and then nothing clicks, right? Like nothing sticks because you're trying to do too much stuff. So this defining part is like narrowing your focus and really figuring out where you want to aim. 
Yeah. And, and sometimes you're going to, you're going to come up with like, Oh, we've got four things. We've got five things. When we go further down, um, when we go further down, uh, the road, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, um, how, how we proceed when there's multiple pieces, Mm -hmm. but you know, this is like collecting that data. And then the next piece is ideating. And this is where a lot of people start. Mm -hmm. And, And this is why a lot of plans fail. You as a youth pastor feel something's not working or somebody complains to you and you're like, ah, this people are the, the people are bored with the music. Mm-hmm. I hate, I'm bored with the music. Let's, let's cut it to one song. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you cut it to one song and people stop showing up or, or, you know, whatever. And because you didn't actually do the work of empathizing and, uh, uh, empathizing and defining. So, but the idea is with ideate, you, you're, you're, you're just trying to say, okay, we've got these challenges, pains, point, we've got these people that are here. What do we need to change? Right. And let's, and you're going to come, you're going to, there's not bad ideas, right? It's um, you're going to brainstorm and figure out um, what we can do. And, and the idea is not to shut things down at the ideation phase. Right. Yeah. When when you ideate, um, it, it, brainstorming could be a part of that, right? So whatever your right. favorite brainstorming sort of activities are, yep. do those, bring them in. Um, but this is not the right place to figure out what's the right answer and what's the wrong answer and what exactly right. you're going to do. Yeah. This is you've gone through empathizing and you've figured out that there is a need. And right. how many different ideas could we have that are going to help to meet that need? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you've got. You've got the Ger- creepy Gerald, and you've got the long Huggy, band. Huggy Gerald. That's right. You've got the long band situation, right? But you also have heard from some people that they like the long band, right? So there you're are gonna, still Dave Matthews band fans out there. It's true. hundred percent. Get that yeah. jam band that'll go for 20 minutes. Do it. And, and so, so the idea is like, yes, and thinking. Uh, yeah. So yes, and is... We're going to keep your, you, you say, why don't we just, uh, you know, give Gerald the ax. Right. And I say, yes, that's, that's an option. And we can also, uh, give him some training and you're like, yeah, we, we can give him some training and we could also put him in a role that's behind a counter. (laughs) Right. Right. Or, like, but the idea is that we're not, we're not shutting anything down. We're coming yeah. up with as many good options as we can. And then at the sort of end of that proto, at the, the end of that ideation session, we're going to choose some things. The thing that we, the things that we think uh, would be the most likely things to help. And then we are going to move into the next phase called prototyping. And prototyping is important. Uh, I, I, uh, and, and the, the funny thing is like when you're talking about prototyping, uh, in when, when we talk about like building an iPhone, right. They actually build a, a I, I, all kinds of iPhone mock-ups, right. But that is not what you're going to be doing in your youth ministry. You're not going to build a little stage and put some band members on it. And like, that's not what this is. Prototypes are really experiments. So prototypes are experiments. These are uh, what we think 
is going to uh, have the affected the change that we need, right? right. And so we're going to say, all right, uh, uh, we think that the band session is long, but some people really like the band session. So what if we let the band start playing, but didn't call the students over until later? Mm-hmm. So let them be background, but if the, there are students that wanted them uh, to do that, let's those students will kind of gravitate to the stage and the other students can continue eating pizza or whatever, mm-hmm. right? So we, we think of a prototype and we, we work at it. In the, but what's important about the prototype is that we are designing not just what to do, but how we measure it, mm. right? So you can build a prototype and we are, we are looking for specific outcomes. Um, and depending on your prototype, you might have to run that prototype. You might have to test it for a while in order to see if it has the effect it needs. But the idea is that prototype, it's not the end result. That's not where you're going to end up. The prototype is a, is a thing to help you collect real data now. We have this hunch that the problem with attendance was related to the band, right? Mm-hmm. And so in order to do that, we're going to make this change to the band, and then we're going to see what happens. And maybe as part of that test, which the next phase is the test, right? So we're going to run this experiment. But part of that experiment might meet, might need to be doubling back with some of the kids and saying, hey, we changed the way we're doing the band. We'd love for you to come and, and hang out this week, Right. Yeah, and we'll see what happens to attendance, or maybe it's not. Maybe attendance wasn't your problem. Maybe you just saw that kids were bored, mm-hmm. and you're gonna track. You're gonna have somebody in the room just watching for the number of bored kids. Um, now, because a lot of ministries don't run like this, um, you might not have a baseline. So part of your test might be not changing things for a week or two so that you have baseline data and then making a change and so that you can have comparative data, right? Yeah, you you have to be able to know what you're measuring against, right? Like when you're trying Mm -hmm. to figure out the change, you got to be able to, you know, figure out where you are, where you're going to be and use, (laughs) use the same things that you're measuring. Right. um, To compare those numbers. Right. And, and, Honestly, one of the pieces that, that I'll go ahead and like push back a little bit because of the many youth ministers that I know, yeah. um, they'll get very nervous about data, right? Or like collecting hard numbers for things because there's the whole line of thinking about, well, you know, ministry is really, it's a lot of soft stuff, right? Like how do you, how do you measure impact or how do you measure relationships or how do you measure da, 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 da. Um, and I agree, those are hard things to measure, but they can be measured. And specifically for your example, if we're talking about like, you know, measuring engagement level, um, mm-hmm. how much attention students are are paying or how plugged in they are to the activity, right? that's a pretty easy one. Um, yeah. Attendance is an even easier one. I mean, that's, right. there's a reason that, that that attendance number is the one that we default back to because you just have to count the heads that are there. Right. Um, so even though the data piece might sound intimidating, I do want to encourage people to like, just realize you can do it. You just have to pick the things that you're going to measure and then stick with them. Like don't right. change them to fit again, the hunch that you might've tried to 
bring into this. Um, mm -hmm. Don't change your data or what you're measuring to match your hunch. Just listen and again, empathize and listen back to if people are having positive experiences because of the changes you're doing. Yeah. And I think what's important is when you're nervous about that kind of data, I think a lot of people, at least my experience and, and, and the times that I've been nervous about data is, is that somebody is going to evaluate me mm -hmm. or my ministry based on this data. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and when you're doing this sort of design thinking process, you don't have to share that data with everybody. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you're nervous about it, don't share it. Because if you're if you're nervous about it and you're it will start affecting how you're collecting it and how you're seeing it. But the idea is that you're gonna because after that test, you're gonna take that data and that's now you're gonna go back to empathy. And you're gonna use that data to direct some more empathetic research. Mm -hmm. You're gonna look at the data and you're going to uh, you, you probably you might go back to some of the people and say, hey. How did you feel about that? Like, did that feel a little bit better? Um, it, with the idea that, like, we're gonna we're gonna run through this process a lot, and the idea is with with design with design thinking stuff is to run tests, and, and especially when you talk about this uh, this this uh, lean startup model, the idea is to run tests as quickly as you can, yeah, so that you can fail as quickly as you can, so, so that. You're, the idea is not to spend a year working on something mm -hmm. only to find out it doesn't, it doesn't have legs, right? Yeah. As I think about, you know, failing fast, I mean, it, obviously, I, I think you need to have good relationships with the people that uh, you report to um, or that are invested in the youth ministry in your church as you're doing these things, right? Like, I, I think mm -hmm. there's an easy way to start those conversations to say, listen, we all can tell like something is off or something's not working. Right. And we need to try to figure out how to address that. Um, this is the process that I want to use that's going to allow us to sort of quickly identify um, what is off and how we're going to try to address it. And yeah. we're going to do that how stuff really fast um, where I'm going to try something for like two weeks or three weeks, as opposed to we're going to do this for six months and then come back to it and see how we do. Because right. by the end of six months, if it hasn't worked, boy, it really hasn't worked. Right. And now you've got the problem of what people got used to in the last six months, plus the problem of what was there before. Yeah. And the key to, to being able to do that is to make very small tests. Yeah, You're not going to make dramatic changes. That's what a prototype is, right? The prototype is small and quick so that you can evaluate whatever it is, right? There's a story of like, uh, of iPhones being made and they brought in a bunch of they had, they had machined a bunch of sizes and they just felt them. They didn't have working screens. They didn't have anything. They just really quick made some so they could be like, oh, you know what? Definitely not this one. Definitely not this one, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because your prototyping is about quick and being able to use this small thing to make to make little. And then what's nice is if you run a couple of these tests and you'd be like, oh, you know what? I think like these tests, tests seem to indicate that the time that we have youth group is a bad time. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Well, maybe what you, we need to move it by a half hour or we need to change it by a day or. Right. And yeah. so what's nice though, is that you go to your, you can go to your uh, senior pastor, your supervisor, and you can say, Hey, look, we had a hunch that there was something going on. So we did these, we ran a bunch of little tests and basically the, 
and, and you can talk talk them talk them through it and you can say it it looks like this is this is indicating that we need to move to a later time mm-hmm. um, and all of a sudden it's not like when you go to a supervisor or a committee or whatever whatever you've got in your youth ministry with data and saying like hey we did some tests this is what it's showing you know i think we should try 30 minutes later for the summer or whatever yeah um then it's a whole different conversation than this kid complained to me and i agree with them we should we should move it to 30 minutes later right right and again that's the sample size of the data that you're collecting Um, it also gets to, like you're saying, how you're able to communicate that with people as you invite folks into the change. So one of the other things that I will ask, and I know that this is a circular process or a cyclical one, right? Where you get to the testing and then it kicks you back to empathy and you, you can repeat this process over and over and over again until, you know, everything is just golden and perfect in the way that you want it to be. Um, but one of the other challenges is, um, uh, either people fear change or people fear loss yeah. of their normal, right? Um, so when you're doing the empathizing, can I ask, you know, maybe for some suggestions for how you do invite people into change or, you know, into giving something up when they're nervous about it? Because you and I have both been in places where youth ministry, you know, has a thing that's always been done this way. Yep. And we do it simply because it's always been done. For no yeah. other reason besides that. So, how do you get into that change conversation? Well, that's that's how that's one of the things that design thinking process helps with, um, because I, I've all I've I just sort of at some point I had a pastor tell me uh, it's a lot easier to try something out than to, to, to tell people that you're going to try something out than that you're going to change it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And he said, for example. Uh, I told them that we were going to try out casual Sunday attire one summer. And then I never went back. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But the idea is that like with this sort of process, you're doing some smaller changes. Yeah. Right. And the idea, the reason you're doing them is to find out what's working. And so it's a lot easier to have that conversation with people and say, Oh yeah, yeah. we're, We're just sort of experimenting. We have, we have a hunch that this or that is going on. And so we're trying to figure out what, what works, what might work to fix it. And that conversation is a whole lot easier than saying like, mm. Hey, we're changing it yep. because, because at the end of that design thinking process, you're going to say, Hey, look, it worked. <laughs> right. Right. It worked. Let's, let's, build, let's celebrate that. Yeah. Let's celebrate that. Let's build on the stuff that we've discovered that works. Um, and it's a whole lot easier to build from success, right. Uh, than to just change everything without any idea if it's going to work. Um, maybe a good way to close this, because I, I think that that's a tremendous suggestion and I hope people hear it well. Um, uh, in the United Methodist system, uh, June and July are the times when like pastors get moved. We are to go back to that Methodisty word itinerant system. Yes. Um, often youth ministers do not, you know, move from church to church to church on assignment from Bishop. But um, if you do find yourself in a place where you are a new 
paid staff person, Mm -hmm. uh, this process can be super duper valuable for you because it helps you build relationships with people that care about the ministry that you're in charge of. Mm -hmm. Um, It gives you the ability to ask questions, right? And like legit real questions about why things happen or how things happen or what difference things make in the ministry. And three, it kind of releases some of the burden of you coming in and and thinking you just need to do everything new because the person before you left because they were doing a terrible job. When you try to change everything at once or do all the new things all at one time, doesn't work because you haven't gone through this process and you're trying to change too many things at one time. So if if you do find yourself uh, in a position where you are new uh, or if you've, you know, even if you've been at a church for a while and you want to try new things, this process is tremendous um, and an incredible way to invite people into embracing something that's a little bit new and a little bit different. Yeah. Anything you'd add to that before we got a boogie? No, let's boogie. Okay. Uh, that doesn't mean dance. I'm a terrible dancer. Um, <laughs> it just means I have to go do the other meetings that I have for today. That's right. So um, youth workers and youth ministers that are out there uh, know that we are praying for you. If you have mission trips, if you have retreats, if you've got crazy summer schedules, you are in our prayers and we thank you for either listening live or listening to this podcast. And we do hope it recharges you a little bit for the week to come. Jeremy, thanks as always. Absolutely.